1: Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, Advanced Smollier, your weekend wine guy, and uh, the Commodore of cocktails. It's been that kind of season, uh, season indoors for the winter. I've been uh, imbibing some wonderful local distilleries, the products, the whiskeys, the bourbons, uh, and I'm getting into some of that uh, rested gin is also interesting. Lots of fun stuff, and of course, uh, now's the time to peek into that cellar and and check out when those bottles might be ready to drink. you know, never buy just one bottle. Buy two bottles that you want to reserve, or actually buy three, because you can taste the bottle when you think it's ready. You can drink the bottle when you think it's really ready. <laughs> you can have it when it truly is ready. At least you'll always have more. Uh, that's my philosophy anyway. Buy three of everything, and you'll, you'll never be sad. And remember, it's better to drink a wine a day early than a day late um we talk about new things uh here we are pushing on march um and i think it's it's time to uh spring it's time for those blossoms and the daffodils and um new restaurants uh i have a it's not a new chef but he's got a new place his name is william Belekis, and uh, he's a great chef here in seattle hey william welcome to happy hour
2: Thanks for having me, Christopher.
1: Let's talk about you. Um, you and I go back at least 12, 14 years now, it seems. And where the heck did time go? Uh, looks like you got a little gray and I got a little, <laughs> a little less. Um, where are you from?
2: Uh, originally, I'm from New York, uh, but I moved to Seattle uh, in 1996. And uh, I had already been cooking for a number of years before I moved here. Uh, but I got a great opportunity uh, to work at an amazing Restaurant at the Sheridan Hotel called Fuller's, uh, which is no longer there. Uh, but Monique back in the day, it, that's right, working with Monique Barbeau. Back in the day, it was a pretty amazing place. Uh, I did that for a couple of years. What year was that? Uh, Ninety-six to ninety-eight. Yeah,
1: I was there. That's when, that's when we felt really good about our city. Yep. <laughs> um, and and our we had these little. These entrepreneurs, chefs that started their own, made their own name. Whether it would be uh, like Tom Douglas, of course. I think Rose Leans was still around then, not so new, of course. But uh, Monique Barbeau, and uh, I want to think Maria Hines was just a few years later. Of course, uh, uh, Lark, um, Ethan, and uh, uh, son, uh, Jonathan, Sunstrom. Yep, John Sunstrom. Yeah. So you worked uh, with Monique. She was a very acclaimed chef. Didn't she get
2: uh, James Beard? She did. She won it, I think, in 1994.
1: Yeah, very cool. Um, where did you go on from there?
2: Uh, from there, I I uh, I was given the chance to be the chef at the Salish Lodge, uh, which I did for a little bit over a year. Um, and I had this deal that I made with myself when I was a teenager that I wanted to own my own restaurant by the time I was thirty, and uh, and I turned thirty while I was the chef at the Salish, so it was time to go, and uh, and I opened my first restaurant at thirty years and eight months.
1: Wow. Well, Lacey, you have lots of energy to uh, to put in the amazing amount of work it takes. And of course, um, you put yourself out there. When we think about uh, the food in the 90s, I remember back in the late 80s, it was uh, California cuisine or or Northwest Nouvelle. Um, was there a sort of a theme or, or philosophy of cooking back in the late 90s for you and early 2000s?
2: Well, I've always had the, the philosophy of cooking what's fresh, cooking what's local, cooking what tastes really good, and keeping it simple. There was a Big movement in the late 90s to really add a lot of complexity to dishes and to to put as many ingredients as you possibly could on the on the menu. There would be restaurants that you'd go to where they would have 14 or 15 different ingredients all in the same dish. And I kind of felt like those ingredients would get lost in the process. And so I took a different approach, more like poetry, where you take away. The things that you don't need, so you have just the pure meaning that's left over. And I really wanted to highlight the amazing things that we have here, and also the amazing things that the world has to offer us as well. Because Seattle has become an international community, and we can really highlight that.
1: Yes, it's it's wonderful. At your uh, during your tenure at Salish, did you work with Bill? Bill Morris? Uh,
2: no, Bill was there before me, and uh, I in, in so I kind of replaced Bill. Bill left to do the Rainier Club. Right. And uh, I, I think he was just like the, kind of like the caretaker chef, of the sailors for a time while they were looking for their chef. Right. And so, so they just had a deal where he would go and he would start at the at the Rainier Club as soon as I came on board.
1: Are you classically trained as a chef? uh what what do you mean by that? The CIA? Did you did you go to school? Did no, you... I didn't
2: go to school. Um, but I I have worked for some of the best chefs in the world. Um, I worked for David Boulet in New York City. Um, I worked for Jordi Villa in Barcelona. And in this tiny little uh, city in western New York called Rochester, New York, uh, I worked for a really talented guy named Jerry Verrassi as well. And so those would be my three main influences.
1: Pretty neat. And today you've actually started, you did start your own new restaurant. What restaurant did you start back in the, when you were 30 plus? Well,
2: it was called Mistral. And uh, we opened in January of 2000, so a little over 19 years ago. Uh, It was a pretty unique little restaurant. We didn't have a menu.
1: First and Blanchard?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, Blanchard between first and second. Um, So what I would do is we we would be open Tuesday through Saturday, and I would essentially just approach each table every single night and talk with the guests about what they loved and what they hated and what they were allergic to and what great food childhood memories they had. And I would basically build the menu for them based on that conversation. And so it was all about personalizing what we did.
1: That's fun. Your restaurant was a boutique restaurant for sure. I think for it had sure. six or seven, maybe nine tables. I don't. Yep,
2: know. yep, nine tables.
1: Nine tables. And uh, I was uh, a veteran of Belltown at that time. I was working just around the corner at the Casa Betcha, which was no longer there when you started. Um, but it was so fun to see how Belltown grew, and you were one of the the pioneers to really bring great food to that neighborhood.
2: Yep. It was a lot of fun.
1: It was a lot of fun. Um, as the uh, as Seattle grew bigger, um, you actually took Mistral to a bigger location and sort of changed some, changed just the un- environment, but you maintained the philosophy.
2: Exactly. In uh, in in 2008, I sold the original Mistral, and took about a year and a half off to kind of wait out the recession, and uh, and then in 2000, the end of 2009, uh, I opened kind of Mistral 2.0, uh, that we called Mistral Kitchen and the whole idea behind that was to take away the the barriers between the front of the house and the back of the house that restaurants often operate in where the kitchen staff doesn't really talk to the wait staff and then the wait staff <laughs> are the only ones that are allowed to talk to the guests and the customers and i wanted my whole team to be able to be engaged with our guests to create a more memorable experience for them so we would have cooks create a dish and then serve it directly to the guests themselves um, because it was all open kitchens, we had multiple open, open kitchens in the restaurant, so the cooks could see who they were cooking for. And I think that's really important, because it's easy to forget that when you work in a restaurant.
1: Well, right, and the, and the waiter, you know, he's just the go-between sometimes. Of course, he is the uh, the messenger, which can bring and help share and communicate. But to see the person, the artist, if you will, who crafted your food, I think is, is so much more memorable and um, also uh, a very fun experience by its own, on its own. I speak with William balekis who is uh, a local chef now. Now, we'll call you local. Well, you've been here for, what, 20... <laughs> 20 three, plus years, 20-plus yeah. years. Um, you are now... Uh, uh, I'm thinking about that original Mistral location between um, uh, on Blanchard between first and second. That also became a very um, popular restaurant, didn't it? Wasn't that... Uh, Spur. Spur, yes. Yeah. With Dana Tuff and McCracken, I think yep. it was. Did they work with you at all? Were you? Did you no. have any sous chefs that have gone on to... So you, yeah, you carried this, um I'm sure you've had a lot of great chefs in your time because you've had uh, remarkable food. Um, you are actually now working on a new project.
2: I am. Uh, we we just. Or the team already.
1: Yeah, you're working.
2: Yeah, we're, we're 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 working on it. That's for sure. Um, I, I I took uh, I took a year off uh, from working in restaurants um, to work uh, at an import company that a friend of mine owns. And towards the end of that year, I started to kind of get that hunger to be back in the kitchen again. And uh, I just, I had a chance, a cup of coffee with a really good friend, and he mentioned to me that there was a, a pretty well-known Capitol Hill restaurant that was looking to get out um, because the owner of the restaurant was not technically in the restaurant business. He actually had a full-time job um, working for a major corporation as an attorney. And the, the lifestyle of operating a restaurant and trying to raise a family and keep his full time job was really starting to wear him down, and um, I just gave gave him a call, and uh, he happened to be the owner of Chavez Restaurant on uh, on Twelfth Avenue on Capitol Hill, and I gave him a call, and he said, "Wow, I think you might be the guy to take this from me," and uh, and so we started just talking and getting together and like learning about each other, and uh, after just kind of talking with each other for about a month or so, um, we came up with this plan. That uh, that we're working on now. And uh, the, the plan is for me to just turn his restaurant, Chavez, into uh, a restaurant that I'm going to call Violet. And uh, we've kind of started the transition. We did a new menu a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we have a new wine list. We did a new cocktail list. Um, we'll do our first tasting menu uh, on Valentine's Day. Or we did do. Our you first, did. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to edit that out, won't we? <laughs> no, it's so all right. To let's do edit, it. with, we can we can start it again. Right. We can do it again or so just keep going. <laughs> you, so you had a great tasting menu uh, yeah, on Valentine's yeah, Day. Valentine's what, what was that? What was on that menu? Uh, so, so we did a five-course menu um, with just a, a beautiful little collection of bites and flavors. Um, I brought in some really incredible caviar from Israel. Uh, we have outstanding Hudson Valley foie gras. Um, plus we have um, local beef, uh, local lamb, uh, it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful little menu, and we're really glad that we did it, and uh, and we're gonna keep doing it too, um, but we're gonna do it differently each day, and that's kind of back in my original restaurant, we we pioneered this concept. And when I when I talked about how we would speak with each guest and create the menu for each guest, um, we became really popular with Japanese people, and Japanese people would say, in Japan, we have this concept, and oh, it's yeah. called omakase, and I thought to myself, wow. I'm American omakase, and so that's kind of what we want to bring back. At Mistral Kitchen, the restaurant was really too big, and we had too many people to be able to do that for everyone. We had fifty or 60,000 people a year that came to the restaurant, and we just weren't able to create it on the level of of personalism that I wanted. Um, So now, as we go into this new space, Violet, which only has 10 tables, very similar to my original restaurant, We'll be able to keep doing that. And I really, I love the idea of American omakase, where we are creating dishes that are at their best at that moment for you, the guest.
1: I love it. That sounds delicious to me, making my mouth water here on this Saturday night. What's interesting is that not only were you a pioneer in Belltown, but you're also a pioneer in South Lake Union. I mean, to think about it, I mean, time's going by so fast now because you and I have been through Taste Washingtons and have been at different events and charity events and things like that. In all these years, it seems like we're going faster and faster. Um, but to look back, to realize, hey, let's take a take a moment and pause and go, Wow, yeah, you were part of that. I mean, we were part of that renaissance of Belltown. Now we're part of, you're part of the renaissance of South Lake Union. And to think that you're now able to have gone full circle in some respects, where you took your mission to the, to the masses, if you will, and now you're bringing small, intimate dining back to a place that is kind of known more for um, this very casual atmosphere of dining. It's all good food up there, but no one has really has brought together that tiny, tiny, hey, this is, this is one little slice of the world we're bringing you today.
2: Well we'll just we'll just have the chance to participate in that and I don't know, add our own unique little flavors and our own unique little flair uh to the neighborhood and hopefully people will love it. I really like the idea of being in a more established residential neighborhood. Um I also like the fact that we're not on the Pike Pine corridor, so we're not in this like busy jump in nightclub, hot dog stand kind of an area that we're on kind of like a little bit more of a quieter stretch, uh, closer to Volunteer Park. And it's pretty exciting. We're going to have a little uh, farm on the roof uh, where we can grow things. We're also going to grow some food directly in front of the restaurant. I have uh, planter boxes that are going to get planted tomorrow, which is pretty exciting.
1: <laughs> uh, my first thought was seeing you know, the, 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 the old cool stub. <laughs> Someone extinguishing there, uh, which might give you know, a different uh, perspective or a different flavor for stuff. Um, that's really neat. Have you thought about what ingredients you're going to grow already? Do you have some winter hardy? Is it going to be seasonal, I imagine?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Um, Most of what we're going to be planting um, are going to be uh, summertime things. Um, So strawberries are going to be a big one. Uh, Lots of herbs. uh, Lots of the more hardy herbs like rosemary and thyme. Um, But also some more delicate things, nasturtiums. um, Also just, you know, decorative flowers that we can use as centerpieces on our tables. Just all kinds of fun little things that we can use in the restaurant.
1: I love it. Um, how many people are, is it? Uh, you can't do it all. Obviously, you have a staff, but do you have a sous chef and a garmanger and a pastry chef? Or how many people are on the line back there? I do.
2: I have a great little team. Um, I have, I have a, a kitchen team of four people, which is really exciting. Uh, my sous chef, her name is Roxella Carrozza, and she is unbelievable. She is just one of the most high-energy, amazing people I've ever met.
1: I love it. Hey, speaking with William Balekis who has a brand-new place. Called Violet up on Capitol Hill. Stick around, I got a glass of wine to taste with you right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI one to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, happy March. Hoping you're having uh, well. You're getting ready for springtime. Uh, if you want to get out and about and taste some of the flavors of the season, this is kind of the tweener season being March, right? Just on the cusp. Uh, you have to check out Violet with Chef William Balekis and his uh, three-person crew, kitchen crew, uh, doing intimate dinners, which is all about the fresh, the now, and the delicious. Um, it's called Violet. Where is Violet there, William?
2: Uh Violet is located at 1734 12th Avenue in Seattle, uh, which is in the Capitol Hill neighborhood and it's just kind of on the on the on the cusp of what they call North Capitol Hill, so it's really close to Volunteer Park. It's Really, it's just a nice, quiet residential neighborhood.
1: Sounds like you can find parking then, which uh, like? sometimes okay. <laughs> it's still.
2: It's, so, Seattle's getting more and more difficult for that.
1: It is, but uh, it's worth a nice stroll, especially as uh, that groundhog uh, day becomes is is come and gone, and springtime is upon us. Let's, you said you um, building a restaurant from scratch, which you've done before. Uh, you have to have uh, some team members. You're versed in wine and cocktails, of course. Let's talk about your wine program.
2: Yeah, that so the the wine list is going to be. Uh, Fair, fairly small. Um, the last restaurant had uh, a wine list of about 350 different wines. Um, this one we're going to have right around 80 or so, um, with about a dozen wines available by the glass from all different regions uh, of the wine-growing world. Um, right now we have a, um, a Spanish wine uh, on the glass list. We have a German wine on the glass list. Uh, and we also have this really cute little wine called Musso, um, which is made by the Contrasorda Sorda winery uh, in the Veneto of Italy so that's the far northeastern corner of Italy and they make some of the most incredible red wines there and um i've i've poured you a little glass here hoping that you may or may not be able to guess what the grapes are um uh, but the grapes are it's a, so it's what they call an IGT uh which means that it's just a red wine from the region because by law there are only certain grapes that they're allowed to use in each region of Italy. And if they don't use those grapes, they have to call it IGT.
1: Indicazione Geografica Tipica. There
2: you go. You got it. And so this wine um, called uh, Musso, and it's Musso etoro uh, Musso means uh, donkey in Italian. <laughs> and the winery has a number of donkeys that work <laughs> the fields and work the vineyards. And they're all basically cherished members of the family. If you go to the Contrasorta Uh, website, you'll see they have pictures of their donkeys all over the place. Uh, And each year they name their kind of one of their favorite wines after one of those donkeys. So this one is the 2014 version, and it's named after etero, which means Hector. And uh, it's a blend of Marsamino Nero and Merlot. And they grow quite a bit of Merlot, Uh, in that part of Italy, and uh, they make some really, really beautiful Merlot-based wines there. And what I really like about this wine is that it has has these great flavors of bitter chocolate and prunes, but it's also really light at the same time, so it's not like a big, thick, heavy wine that you often think of when you have a Merlot-based wine, where they're always like really big and juicy and jammy, and this is not like that at all, and you get these beautiful chocolate flavors, and it's just, I love it.
1: I'm tasting it. <laughs> I always had to spit it out when it's obviously named after donkeys. Um, so fun. Yes, the, the north uh, part of Italy is known for some international varieties because when Phylloxer came in, they ripped it out, and they said, well, let's plant these because everyone else is working for them, and they looked at Bordeaux. Um, but it's also great conditioning to, to have world-class wines because you've got cooler temperatures, you've got uh, great soils, and this wine has uh, medium plus acidity. It has a, a little bit of age on it, which gives you some of that rounded prune note, but it's not, it's, it's more of a... Um, I want to say it's kind of a, a burnt raisin, so it's it's kind of got some fire to it. There's, you said chocolate. I get some smoke and some chocolate here as well. Um, uh, it's this tasty wine. It's light on the palate, but it has concentration and just uh, medium tannins, uh, which really dissipate after that first sip. I think it's it's a great. It's like um, a really good kiss. <laughs> I'm getting too far here, uh, but it's tasty. So this is by the glass on your list. Yep, excellent. And for your menu, do you offer a wine pairing as well?
2: We do. We offer a different wine pairing every night. Um, Obviously, if we're changing the tasting menu, we want to offer different wines as well. So each of the wines um, are chosen to go with the food. And actually, sometimes we'll even choose the wine first and then make the dish up to go with the wine.
1: What times do you open? Does Violet open there on 12th Avenue? Uh,
2: We open Tuesday through Saturday at 5 p.m. And we close at 10 or 11, just depending on how late people are staying.
1: Sure. And with 10 tables, I imagine you probably want to make a reservation, or what's the philosophy there?
2: It's a good idea to make a reservation. We also have a cute little bar as well with about 12 seats. And uh, in about two weeks or so, I'm going to be adding some couches uh, into one corner of the restaurant that's right by this big, beautiful garage door. So in the summertime, we can just put the couches outside and everyone can just relax and party and drink wine outside.
1: That sounds fun. Now, your menu, um, is, it a, is it a set menu each night, or do people, do you have some a la carte items that say, so, you know what, I'm not that hungry, I just want to try this, they can pick a dish, or how does it work?
2: We also have an a la carte menu as well, um, with about a dozen or so kind of first course kind of dishes, and about seven or eight, uh, what most people would consider to be main course dishes as well. Um, And then probably right around March 1st, we're going to start doing a bar-only menu, um, which will just be cute little snacks where everything is under $5, and you just have as many as you like.
1: (laughs) Yummy. Um, And so it's Tuesday through Saturday, which is great. Gives you a Sunday and a Monday off. Oh, my goodness, that's almost unheard of in the restaurant business.
2: It was one of the things that was really important to me. Um, I've got two children now. And uh, I know that in the previous restaurants and in a lot of restaurants that are operating today, when you have a restaurant operator that's also a family person, uh, it puts a big burden on the other parent in the family. And uh, I want to be fair and I want to be a good dad and I want to spend time and I want to watch my kids grow up.
1: That's, that's really cool, and in the restaurant business is um, a very demanding business. Of course, it, it, there's lots of uh, gratification and taking care of people. It's the hospitality gene, which my parents certainly have as their doctors, and I've certainly um, uh, taken into a professional uh, career as I pursue uh, the Master Sommelier degree. Uh, you have how many, so basically, what's dinner gonna cost for a tasting menu? I think it's probably a buck 20 in... No,
2: the tasting menu is $85. All right. Uh, and then if you add the wine pairing, an extra fifty.
1: All right, so, so pretty reasonable. All right, so I was a buck thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool. And I know you're as a new restaurant, um, you probably are bringing some cool decor. Obviously, Chavez makes me think it has more of a Latino style concept. Uh, so, do those colors, does that scheme still work with your philosophy on on um, the environment or the?
2: Yeah, what one of the the really fun things about seeing Chavez for the first time. Um, was that I really liked the feel to it. The room feels very alive, and we're going to keep that. So it has a little bit of almost like not quite Mexican restaurant vibe, but more just like a California feeling to it. So it's bright, it's airy, um, it's got high ceilings. Um, There are these really cool tiles embedded into the walls. There are light fixtures just kind of scattered around the restaurant, candles everywhere, Um, and we're going to kind of keep that theme. Uh, We have some artists that we've commissioned to do some pieces for us, um one that I'm really 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 excited about is this um kind of Japanese graffiti mural that we're going to do in the restrooms that is it's just really going to stand out and it's really going to be beautiful that actually gets done next Saturday a week from today.
1: Oh that's pretty exciting. So uh you've had some success already in the restaurant uh it has you how many days have you been open since what was your first day open
2: uh our first day open was last tuesday
1: excellent and uh your team is strong you've got uh your servers how many servers take or or is the staff coming out from behind the the line to, to well, serve well we also
2: have 3 servers and uh and, and we all just kind of chip in together and work together so we plate dishes together, we carry dishes together, we clear tables together, we just we do it all together.
1: That's cool. It's it's about that teamwork and, and I'm working with a restaurant here in my neighborhood and it's about the same thing. Um, especially in this atmosphere, I should say in this uh, uh, culinary um what are we? We are an epicenter now with all these restaurants, with all the tech, with all the people who are hungry. We've got a lot of restaurants opening up, but what we're finding is a very a difficult time finding the talent to uh, staff those restaurants. Have you uh leaned on some old contacts or did you are you training some some uh freshmen or sophomores, so to speak, in the business?
2: It's uh it's it's kind of a blend of both. Um the one cool thing uh about getting to know the people at Chavez is that a good percentage of them actually stayed. Uh, most, most of the people working there have decided to stay on, which is great because they're wonderful, wonderful people. And they have that connection with the neighborhood already, which I didn't want to lose. Um, but I also brought, in addition to Roxella, I also, uh, brought a front of the house guy named Carl Tumanek. and, uh, Carl's originally from Prague and he had a career as a hockey player and, uh, he, as most hockey players do, he had an injury and, uh, he decided to pursue a different career when he had that injury and, um, he went into the restaurant business and he worked for me for about four years uh, at Mistral and um, and then I brought him with me to the importing company as well and he helped me run the importing company and uh, and then when we were ready to go, I just brought him along <laughs>
1: I like it. that's a that's a sign for a, a sound for a question I have what is um what is some of the ingredients you've got right now that you're really excited about on your menu uh
2: you know the the octopus the Spanish octopus is really 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 popular. Um, the scallops with caviar um, has, has been a beautiful dish. Uh, the lamb with roasted artichokes has also been really popular and really fun to make as well.
1: Oh, I love it. Caviar, scallops, uh, lamb, artichokes. Okay, you got me. And I'm always curious, so what wine they pair with artichokes?
2: You know, that the way that we cook the artichokes, um, because they're cooked in wine without a, without a really, really strong acid, and they're also cooked for a really long time, very slowly, um, they lose a lot of that really, like, Bizarre, bitter, tannic green, flavor. Yeah. yeah, they lose a lot of that green flavor. So it pretty much, it'll go with anything, really.
1: All right. It's uh, Violet, uh, 1734 12th Avenue North?
2: No, just 12th Avenue. 12th
1: Avenue, yep. up by Volunteer Park. Um, it's open Tuesday through Saturday, and Chef William Balekas and his lovely staff await your arrival. Make a reservation, check it out online. I'm sure they'll have some some cool reviews. Hey, William blackus thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Hey, folks, stick around. We've got lots more coming up. I've got a junior chef. Something to talk about right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Start your day the right way. The commute with Carlson, live and local. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now, more KVI Want to Know weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, it's a special treat for you. Um, I've got a minor in the studio, which is really rare for Happy Hour Radio, but it's a very special young lady. Sadie Davis-Suskin is here, and she is uh, she's going to be on, on TV coming up. Uh, I think it's next Tuesday. Wait, second, third, fourth. Next Wednesday. Next Tuesday? Tuesday. Next Tuesday. There she is. Hey, Sadie, let's get you on here. Hi, Sadie. Hi. Welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Do you know what happy hour means?
3: Um not really. Perfect.
1: <laughs> nope. It's all good. Well, I understand you are a young chef, is that right?
3: Yes, indeed I am.
1: When did you when did you find out that you liked to cook?
3: Uh well I've been cooking uh before I was even talking and walking. You know, as soon as I could step foot in the kitchen, I'd instantly be all over bread dough, spices, baked goods and everything else. Um, I don't think my creations were particularly fantastic at the time, but um, that's really where I developed my love of cooking.
1: Wow. I'm wondering, how did you get up to the cupboards and things like that when you're so young and to find all the spices? And were you uh, just mischievous? Was mom and dad uh, (laughs) not looking?
3: (laughs) Um, You know, I was a little bit mischievous, but uh, my mom cooks a lot. So, uh I really learned from her and she was always cooking dinner and so I'd observe sometimes be her sous chef and um I'd oh, get wow. to play around.
1: So you know French then, huh? The sous chef. Do you know what that means?
3: Um it's so a sous chef is basically like a little uh Sidekick to the um, main chef.
1: Sue means under, under. so the chef, mm-hmm. under the executive chef. Very good. Uh, so you are now 12 years old. What grade is that these days?
3: Uh, that is seventh grade.
1: Seventh grade. Now, are you a, a food critique as well? Now that you're a great chef, I imagine you probably pr- critique some of those school lunches, or are you critiquing mom's brown bag?
3: Uh, well, you know, I am a little bit of a critic. Um, I definitely think there. are are there's a lot of room for improvement for school lunches (laughs) (laughs) you don't say uh you know my mom's lunches are pretty good though i have Uh. to say um it's there's a lot of variety, you know, sometimes I get sushi, sometimes I get sandwiches. Um, I'd say overall it's pretty good.
1: How fun is that? <laughs> so uh, what's some of the dishes that you really le- realized like in France, um, as a chef, you're going you really have to learn how to make an omelette. Mm-hmm. That's the basic French thing is if you can make an omelette, you, you get to go on further. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing that you decided to make to, to expertise in?
3: Uh well also as a French chef um something that's really important to know is how to make sauces. I am a saucier, born and oh. raised, and you know if my sauces born aren't good raised. then I'm S- not good.
1: Sauces make sauces are really the pinnacle. I mean, yes. anyone can do medium rare, but it's about the sauce that makes mm-hmm. it great. What was the first sauce you made? Ooh, the first... don't say Hershey's chocolate. <laughs>
3: Ooh, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> creme anglaise. Creme anglaise. Creme anglaise. Creme anglaise.
1: Mmm. So how would you make that? That's uh, cream, sugar, vanilla bean. Uh,
3: yes, cream, sugar, vanilla bean, and an um, egg yolk, Egg yolks. Right? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. Well, it's great that you made something like something sweet, like creme anglaise. I don't mm-hmm. see you making a uh, uh, egg marette. Um, what else? What other sauces do you do you like to make?
3: Um, all the French mother sauces, and sometimes I'll just uh, put a spin on some of those sauces. Uh, recently, I've been Experimenting with my sauces because um I do this thing on Sundays with my dad, where we make pasta, fresh pasta mm. um and I always have to think of uh, new different sauces
1: okay, and what what are some of the ingredients you might add to a new different sauce for pasta?
3: um well. <laughs>
1: I this, would think rosemary and sun-dried tomato and uh, cream, or what? What's some of the ingredients?
3: Well, uh, sometimes they're pretty simple. Like on Sunday, I made gnocchi, homemade gnocchi, and uh, with that, I made a uh, brown butter fried sage the sage sauce. That's
1: one of my favorites. Yeah, mm-hmm, that goes well so with so many things. Yes,
3: definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have your own pots and pans, or do you have to you know use moms and dads?
3: They're communal pans. You know, I. <laughs> I use my mom's, but um, I'm hoping to get uh, some new pots and pans soon.
1: How about a knife set? Do you have a chef's set of knives?
3: Um, I have my mom's chef set of knives. She
1: got a good set and yes. a nice stone that you her uh, steel you can sharpen and everything. Oh
3: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and um, so let's talk about this television show. Tell me about it. It's called Master Chef Junior. Or- Master Chef
3: Junior. Yep. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
1: It's on Fox, which be KCPQ, mm-hmm. and it uh, airs this Tuesday. Yes, right? March fifth. Uh what time? Eight o'clock.
3: At eight o'clock on Fox.
1: All right, mm-hmm. and this is the debut show. This is the first show of the season. Indeed, how exciting! Can you tell me what dish you made, prepared that for that uh, event or for that uh, program, I should say?
3: Ooh, uh, I, th- I think
1: I read that you had a, a mystery basket for breakfast, right?
3: Yes. Yeah, so the first challenge, um, we had to uh, show that we could, that we knew how to make one of the most important meals of the day, breakfast. Um, which was a mystery box challenge. Uh, it was very fun. And then after that, the elimination challenge for that, we had to elevate um, a classic school lunch, which is why I have a bunch of opinions on school lunches. Oh, too funny.
1: Well, what was in the mystery basket for breakfast?
3: Um, In the mystery basket, uh, when you open it up, there was um, a alarm clock.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> and uh, we were all really confused because you know how are we gonna cook, cook an alarm clock um but uh we soon after that learned that it was breakfast um and i was really excited for that
1: that mm-hmm. is exciting so uh can you talk about the mystery basket what ingredients are i think because that's not the elimination round so everybody had the same mm-hmm. ingredients so it'd be kind of fun to sort of like what did she make don't tell me what you made but just tell me what the ingredients were
3: uh, well, actually, there weren't any specific ingredients okay. we had to use. Um, it was just we had our challenge, which was make a breakfast uh, dish in a certain amount of time. Um, and really, sky was the limit. You know, we could make anything we wanted.
1: Oh, it's exciting. How mm-hmm. many um, competitors are, listed, are on the show?
3: 24.
1: 24. Mm-hmm. And how does one get involved? How do you compete? Did you, Was there a, a big van that came through Seattle one time and you had to go down and, and cook some food? Or was it an interview process?
3: Um, so, actually, my first audition, um, I was in L.A. for because, uh, coincidentally, I was at my cousin's bat mitzvah and the day of the bat mitzvah, uh, literally the hour after um they were hosting um open call auditions for MasterChef Junior um at first it wasn't really something serious something that I had my heart set on but I was like hey you know I've been watching this show since I was in like first grade uh why not go try it out you know I might learn something new and it just went on from there
1: wow so they they liked you you impressed them did you have to cook or was it just talking
3: um, so we we had to cook a little bit we had to show basic food skills like you know how to uh, cook eggs and chop vegetables sure um but then a large part of it was talking mm-hmm.
1: all right and when you think about um these competitors are they re- What are the age ranges? Are they? It must be under eighteen, I imagine, or under fifteen, or what?
3: Um, So the age range is from eight to thirteen.
1: Eight to Mm thirteen, and it's a good mix of boys and girls.
3: Yes, yes, it was a fair mix.
1: Did you see some people you were really impressed by? Did you go, "Wow, that was so cool"?
3: Um, Yeah, a lot of the competitors were really talented. Um, There were a few that they just they they made these dishes that were like absolutely gorgeous and made me think to myself, hey, why didn't I make that? Um, yeah, a lot of them were really talented.
1: Where do you find some of your inspiration?
3: Um, well, my mother and my grandma were my primary uh, cooking teachers, and they taught me a lot of what I know. Um, but I also do find um, inspiration and ideas from cooking shows. Um, I've been watching them since I was very little, and... Um, and I've always wanted to be on them. And when then, and then when I finally got the opportunity to be on it, um, I had so many more ideas, and it really helped me uh, refine my cooking techniques.
1: Wow, you've got great vocabulary. I'm super impressed. I usually <laughs> talk to people who have, fun, have been drinking wine. <laughs> such as myself I'm speaking with Sadie Davis Suskin and she is a competitor on the Fox uh program called MasterChef Junior which airs uh, uh, March 5th at uh, Tuesday night 8 p.m. on Channel 13 or 113 if you got the cable um have you you said you went to a Bob Mitzva and I've had some cookbook authors I've had Jewish cookbook authors do you cook any Jewish food
3: um yeah actually so one of the first cuisines that I was cooking um was traditional Jewish foods you know everything from Hala and Matsabels to matzo ball soup.
1: I like that. Mm-hmm. Hala's great bread. Um now how many shows are there in this program? When will we figure out who wins? When's the when's the champion crown? Is that in June or April or May or um, the show lasts a couple months I imagine and it's on once a week so it's probably June, right?
3: Um, most likely June. Yeah, I'm not completely sure, but sure. June sounds about right.
1: Okay, well, we won't give anything away, <laughs> but it's all about this Tuesday at 8 o'clock. And can you tell us what you made for the challenge, or is that a secret?
3: Um, hmm, was I, it a
1: mystery basket for the challenge, too, then? Or did, did everybody. Well, let me ask this Was the kitchen set up like a bunch of stoves and a bunch of countertops, mm-hmm. like a classroom style? Yes.
3: Yeah, it was classroom style. And
1: mm-hmm. which row are you in? So when we look at the show, where can we find you?
3: Uh, I'd have to say I think one of the middle rows. One of the yeah. middle rows? Solid middle. Solid middle.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Uh, this is really exciting. I'd like to keep you on the show for just a few more minutes because I want to talk about some of those sauces. Mm-hmm. You said uh, the French mother sauces. You make me feel like I don't even know what I, how to cook. So uh, I want to learn something from you. Speaking with the Sadie Davis-Suskin, who is the competitor on Fox's Master uh, MasterChef Junior, which airs this March 5th, 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Stick around, folks. I have more with the Young Chef Superstar right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Up, cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local, weekdays three to six p.m. KVI. It's KVI. Want to know weekends? And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment featuring a young superstar. Her name is Sadie Davis-Suskin, and she's a contestant on Fox's MasterChef Junior, which airs March 5th, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on Channel 13. We're chatting about uh, how she got on the show and uh, some of the things she's doing. But you mentioned that you know about French mother sauces, Sadie. Tell me about some of the sauces that are considered the French mother sauces.
3: Um, so there are five mother sauces. Um, not sure if I'm going to be able to remember all of them. Um, some of the ones that I like to focus on most, uh, I like to make bechamel a lot. You know, it's, it's the base in a lot of dishes. Um, that's one of my favorites.
1: There's a white wine Mm -hmm. butter sauce, right? How would you make a white wine butter sauce?
3: Um, or a beurre
1: blanc, I guess it's called.
3: Uh, well, there are a few different ways. (laughs) Um, butter, obviously, white wine. Um, Shallot, shallots, yes. Uh, whatever your heart desires. Uh, herbs, if you like,
1: thyme or tarragon. Mm-hmm. Tarragon, yeah, yeah, I think, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. Tarragon yeah. works.
1: Have you made hollandaise before?
3: Yes, I have.
1: Mm-hmm. You have, huh? Yeah. Oh, I love hollandaise. So. Do you can you we invite you over to our house so you can practice cooking? We can just Absolutely,
3: sort
1: of, <laughs> so fun. So, mom's making lunch. Are you, do you ever make your own lunch? Do you ever practice to doing something fun?
3: Um, you know, sometimes I do make my own lunch. Uh, most of the time I'm a little bit busy with homework. Um, uh, dinner is where I shine okay, most. Really, I make a lot of dinner. all right. What's yeah. what
1: was for dinner last night? was the last time you made dinner?
3: Um, Sunday,
1: Sunday. What yeah. was for dinner?
3: Uh, so Sunday's pasta Sunday. So oh, that's I made right, pasta um, Sunday, yes. Yeah, I made uh, fresh gnocchi. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. I love that with the butter sage sauce.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. What are
1: some of the proteins you like? Do you know how to debone a chicken and things like that or do you work yes, on I flaying do. a fish, not the McDonald's kind?
3: Um I do. I do. I work with a lot of different meats. Um particularly the cow, beef. Um I am a huge carnivore. Uh I love my steaks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite cut?
3: Uh, filet mignon.
1: Filet mignon, of yeah. course. And how do you like your filet mignon prepared?
3: Medium rare.
1: Medium rare. And what accompaniments would you suggest for that pairing?
3: <laughs> um, For adults, uh, red wine. <laughs>
1: red wine. Uh, are you a baked potato fan or do you like uh, twice baked or mashed? Mashed or, potato. How about I truffle? Like Have potato. you played with truffle before?
3: Um, You know, my brother, uh, he loves truffle. Um,
1: How old is your brother?
3: He's 16.
1: Oh, well, yeah. he's got the uh, acquired palate mm-hmm. then, right?
3: Uh, yes, he does. You know, I don't love it. As much, um, I'm, I'm more about the meat itself. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I I like truffle.
1: Are you growing herbs at all? Are you growing a little farm? So you're, uh, I should say, um, a, a patch of, of vegetables and things.
3: Um, we do have a little bit uh, of a garden in our backyard. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for: a garden. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too funny. Um, and how many uh, how many pots and pans do you have? Do you like? You have a favorite pan? A sauté pan? I always like the sauté pan.
3: Um, yes, yes, I do. I have a favorite saute pan. It's, uh, red, and it's my mom's, and it's pretty small, like me, so... um,
1: Ten-inch pan or something like that?
3: Yeah, yeah, something like that.
1: All right, um, if you were gonna make breakfast for me, what would you make?
3: Um, I would make, uh, hmm, let's see. I'd make a Parmesan egg cup, um, so basically what you do is you take your cheese, Parmesan, uh, um, you bake it out into little circles, uh, place it in a muffin pan so it gets a nice cup shape, um, and then bake an egg into it, and then put in some, you know, bacon, chives, whatever you want.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm still so hungry. What else can I have? <laughs> I'm Ooh. a big boy. One egg cup. Uh, do you make, uh, like, muffaletta? Have you tried some of the quiches and things like that?
3: Yes, I do. Um, I love making quiche. Uh, quiche Lorraine is delicious. Uh, um, I... Really love all breakfast foods. Sometimes I'll even settle for um, just you know bagel and lox. I have lox a lot because you know I'm Jewish and.
1: <laughs> Cause it's always around, right? Because you always yeah. have bagels. Yeah, it's always around. It? Yep. Mm-hmm. Too fun. Well, this is really exciting. I'm a, it's a real pleasure to meet you. I know we were going to try to do it last week, but with all the snow and I was been mm-hmm. traveling. And um, but congratulations on uh, this endeavor. You know, there's a whole world out there of food, and I imagine you'll be taking that uh, that tour around the world mm-hmm. to test your cuisine and find some new fun stuff. Do you have a favorite kind of cuisine? It sounds like Italian, being with the Sunday thing.
3: Um, I'm well. Actually, I just started getting into Italian cuisine pretty recently, but uh, I'd say French, classic French cuisine, is where my heart really is.
1: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Well, my heart's right there with you. Congratulations! I imagine we'll see a website. We'll see you, uh, um, sponsoring or endorsing <laughs> some certain pans and some certain ingredients. At some point. You're Maybe. a great little talker, and uh, it's been such a treat for me. Thanks so much for joining me, and happy hour radio. Thank you oh, that's so fun. I remember my first job at fifteen was washing dishes. I certainly wasn 't cooking, but the best part about being in a restaurant is actually seeing how cooks cook, how chefs cook, and learning how to deglaze a pan and how to chop a, a shallot, how to chop an onion, how to use a bias cut, how to add uh, make soup and add different things to help thicken it. Um, I learned all that, of course, uh, and I still like steaks um, when i, I don 't really go out for steak because I can make a steak at home it's the sauces I go out for. <laughs> To be honest. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, William Black is place is Violet. It's up on 12th Avenue uh, and by Volunteer Park. And remember, hey, this Tuesday night, March 5th, 8 p.m., Fox KCPQ uh, with young Sadie Davis Suskin, Master Chef Jr. Hey folks, hope to see you again next week. Uh, and remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!